0: And welcome to the How CMOs Commit Podcast. I'm Margaret Malloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of the leading branding firm Siegel Gale. From April to August 2020, I interviewed 50 CMOs from around the world as host of the Siegel Gale Future of Branding event series. Although it pains me not to break bread in person we've uncovered invaluable insights and memorable human stories during this virtual season. In many ways, this podcast provides an exclusive oral history of how brands and CMOs live in the COVID-19 era. From the decisions facing CMOs during this time to the commitments they are forging for the unchartered road ahead, the conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. Please be sure to listen to the end when I provide my reflections on our discussion. This is how CMOs commit. Welcome to Siegel & Gale Future of Branding Virtual Roundtable. Every fortnight, we meet five marketing leaders to explore how they are building their brands. I'm your host, Margaret Molloy, Global Chief Marketing Officer of Siegel & Gale. Siegel & Gale is a preeminent global brand strategy, design, and experience firm. One of the most universal Branding themes to emerge from COVID-19 is the age-old notion that great brands come to life in the context of their community. In today's Future of Branding episode, we travel the globe to meet five marketing leaders from the Middle East to the United States, from South America to Europe. These five leaders are distinguishing themselves by building leading local brands, in sectors at the forefront of this pandemic, across hospitals, grocery, renewable materials, economic development, and entertainment. And we all recognize that this pandemic is in different stages and impacting communities variously across and indeed within countries. So let's now meet our panel. As ever, I'm joined by five marketing leaders. I'm joined by Dow Bergsma, CMO of Piedmont Health, joining us from Atlanta, Georgia. Katja Olila is the Global Brand Director at Stora Enzo in Helsinki, Finland. Mohamed Abouaza is the Executive Director for Strategic Marketing, Ministry of Investment at the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Otan Vela heads marketing for GPA, joining us from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And Mike Fairborn is the GM for the Middle East at Sony Music, joining today from Dubai. A very good morning, good afternoon all. Thank you for joining us. So let's begin the conversation. I wanna get all the voices in the room and I'll ask our panelists the same question the audience is completing at this time. Dow, start us off. What's one word? What's the state of the community in Atlanta, Georgia? Concerned. Concerned. Katja, Helsinki, Finland. Next question is finding balance and cautious optimism. Cautious optimism. All right. Mohammed, Riyadh.
1: Thriving and resilient.
0: Thriving and resilient. Uh, Othan.
2: Oh, the word will be hope.
0: Hope in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And Mike in Dubai. I know it's a warm day in Dubai.
3: I think, positive here and optimistic.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing those words. So now let's have some individual conversations about your brand, how you're responding to the crisis and your observations as a leader and indeed as a brand builder. Dow, let's start with yourself. Um, Leading integrated healthcare system, non-for-profit, Atlanta, Georgia. My research serves me serving 2.5 million or more patients in that region. Tell us about how you've responded to COVID-19 as as an entity, obviously as a hospital and a healthcare system, you are absolutely at the forefront and thank you and your team for everything you're doing.
4: Yes, well, thank you for including us. Uh, I just joined Piedmont Healthcare a few months ago, so everything I'm sharing, I have no credit whatsoever. I can just report what my fine colleagues have been doing and are doing. For the audience, uh, Piedmont Healthcare is indeed a a range of hospitals, uh, many primary care physician offices, specialty offices, urgent care, quick care. It's kind of the whole range of healthcare from from an easy quick care store at our Walgreens stores all the way to living liver transplant at our most advanced hospital that we actually opened the latest tower yesterday. Uh, So it's a big day yesterday and today uh, with a lot of press, the governor visiting, etc. etc. Here we to COVID, basically it's our business. So where uh, for many other companies, COVID is something that is a societal development that comes with concerns for some opportunities. For us, it's our primary business. If there's a healthcare crisis, hospitals across the nation and rural jump into action because they are the last line of defense, uh, which is also true for Piedmont. Obviously we had to change all our uh, processes as well as our priorities. Uh, because normally we have a range of diseases and a range of procedures that we need to pay attention to. And with COVID, uh, uh, we had to make changes. Now, healthcare is used to this. We had SARS, we had AIDS, uh, we had Ebola. Um, So hospitals are not uh, unfamiliar with a crisis in healthcare. the difference here was just the, sh- the scale at which it happened and how the demand for care exceeded the supply in many areas, whether it was events or PPE or staffing or just hospital beds. Uh, so that forced us to make more rigorous decisions than we would normally would have done with Ebola or SARS or, or AIDS at the time. Uh, So that was a big change to say, hey, how do we prioritize a few things, all the essential and emergent uh, procedures while we are responding to the COVID crisis?
0: Now, Dow, I know in a lot of the hospitals, there is some concern that despite the tremendously important work you're doing, there's concern about financial situation um, given the dynamic that none of the uh, elective procedures are happening or are happening to a lesser degree, how, how is the brand doing? How are you doing from a fiscal standpoint? Uh, so there's three things that are happening at the same time. As I
4: said, uh, response to COVID is number one. Uh, recovery of the system as a whole is number two because there is patient's lives at stake. Uh, There's a sad situation that people avoid going to the hospital when they feel unusual pains because they're afraid of COVID and they might die of a heart attack. So that is a real concern that we're having because the visits to the ER are are down more than they should be. Uh, And then the last one is the question you ask is how do we restructure our finances? Because we stopped a lot of our procedures and we had to redirect our our sources and our funds to COVID response, uh, a lot of our incomes uh, ceased to exist or has decreased significantly. And we had to make uh, significant measures like a lot of hospitals, whether it was shortening the work week for our staff or uh, reducing the compensation for our leadership. Uh, Luckily, our system did not have to have large furloughs or layoffs. Uh, We were financially relatively sound, and obviously we got uh, a rapid recovery and government support uh, so that avoided uh, the financial crisis that we could have had and what we've seen with colleagues across the nation. So, So far, we're doing relatively well given the context we're operating
0: in. Yes, yes, indeed. Now, given this is a brand conversation, to what degree... Has marketing communications and brand played a role in the interactions with Piedmont Healthcare and the community?
4: There's a few things. First and foremost, you need to redirect your communication because you, you go from um, driving people to your services, whether it is primary service, quicker healthcare, or the procedures, surgeries, to actually... Doing the reverse, basically saying, Hey, you know, come in if you have COVID or COVID concerns and come in when it's urgent. Uh, But don't come in when you don't have to, because we have to save our staffing, our resources and our PPE for the most urgent cases. So we really had to redirect, tell our agencies, our media, everything had to stop and was redirected. So that was obviously one. The second thing that happened at the same time was the enormous increase in PR and external communication that was needed. Uh, Think about the hundreds of requests we're giving on any given day or week about what is the situation, how many people, what's going on, what do I need to do, Uh, wash your hands, wash your distance, wear your masks, It, 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 it covers the whole gamut. And then Maybe the most important is crank up your internal communication, because especially in the beginning, the CDC guidelines or the government guidelines, for those that don't know what the CDC is, uh, changed almost daily. And so you need to make sure that all our 25,000 people know exactly what is expected. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, you know, go testing, don't go testing. Um, so that was the initial crisis response. Later, then you start redirecting your marketing efforts to recovery, telling people uh, on top of, the say, hey, wear a mask, wash your hands and watch your distance. Also making sure, hey, come, in, come on in for, for your necessary health care. Don't risk your life because you might be afraid of COVID and obviously uh, also instructions on how to get COVID testing, how to get the antibody testing, what to expect when you go to the hospital, what is the vision policy, all all that important information. So that's where marketing played a role, kind of really educating the population on what to do and what to expect. And then number two is really focusing on, hey, you need to come back for essential healthcare. Don't risk your life unnecessarily. And those are kind of the two priorities Externally and then internally, making sure that all your employees are up to speed on any given minute.
0: Thank you for that, Dao. We'll pick up that thread in a moment. Let's now go to Helsinki, Finland, and visit with Katja Olia. Katja, you are the SVP of Communications and Marketing for Stora Enzo, a remarkable renewable materials company. I would love to get your perspective. It strikes me with the increase in direct to consumer more commerce, more home deliveries. There's more packaging. Um, There's also been widespread coverage of the fact that reduced emissions should help the environment um, at this point in time. So love to get your take on what you're seeing and indeed if this is exhibiting any more conscious consumption in this period of COVID. So there's a lot there to talk about, Kat.
5: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think what you always see in a crisis or in an
5: emergency is that that uh, you kind of need to change priorities. In many ways, we've we've all gone back to basics on on healthcare, um, food, and so on. Um, so we've also the, the role of Suez has been. It's like going back to the core of what our business is about. It's about delivering renewable materials to some of the critical industries like food uh, retailers, um, pharmaceuticals companies. So we've really really seen this, this uh, strengthened brand purpose uh, come to life. And at the same time, we've all had these, these different priorities. Uh, we've had to prioritize certain basic needs that we all had. And then at the same time, we've seen more fossil-based materials being used, for example, in, in personal protective equipment. And we believe that in the aftermath of the pandemic, uh, when the acute uh, emergency is over the excess use of plastics um, and for example, climate change, which hasn't been so much in focus right now, that's again going to be in, in focus. And uh, we strongly believe that there will be this need to, to discuss these things even more going forward. Um so definitely there and there are as you mentioned there are areas which are growing uh the priorities have shifted businesses have shifted um businesses have rapidly shifted to digital as we have seen uh the growth of e-commerce has accelerated and this is surely at least partly permanent and and we believe in all in different sectors of the, the economy as you said um Right now we're seeing some signs of um, pollution levels going down due to the decreased economic activity and so on. But what we've seen also from previous economic crises is that um, after the crisis the the pollution levels and the emission levels tend to go higher than pre-crisis. And we all have an opportunity, the whole world has an opportunity to, to sort of do that market recovery in a sustainable way. And, and we at and so we believe that we have a big role to play in that and inform people, inform companies how they can take that step forward to do a, a sustainable market recovery.
0: Yeah, your insight is interesting because if you look at the data post the 2008 crisis, you see it a drop, but then a significant increase in CO2 emissions subsequently. And then that interesting question of depending on which industries, if heavy industry is supported by governments, be it cement production, be it oil, then that results in more emissions. But from a consumer standpoint, what gives you optimism? Are there any indicators that suggest we are more conscious consumers and has COVID triggered that one way or the other?
5: i think we are i mean parts of that come probably from the fact that also i mean our consumption patterns have shifted um a part of it might be because people have been unfortunately losing their jobs they have less money to spend than before so they're very conscious of what they buy and i think overall the the changes we, we see in the um, like what a huge impact is it has that we have lower economic activity what impact it has on the nature um i think people will be more conscious uh we've seen also other types of things we we are consumers are getting used to different types of uh customer experiences because of of many businesses shifting to online uh, digital uh we are delivering or ordering more food home getting used to that uh, whether it be fresh food uh takeaway food or whether it be groceries that you order home um we order more goods overall home uh, so the the customer experience is definitely changing and and i mean there are opportunities to do things in in new ways in more sustainable ways in more eco-friendly ways uh, and this doesn't only go for the food industry. It goes for, uh, e-commerce in general. It goes for, for example, for the textile industry. Um, we are using, I mean, we, you use probably different type of clothes when you're <laughs> working from home remotely than when you're in the office. Um, but I think it's, it, it goes to be seen how much of that, how much of the, the consumer, um, patterns and how much they actually shift towards, uh, um, a more sustainable consumption pattern. But one thing that is all, we see already being discussed uh, is uh, the excess use of fossil-based materials, for example, in personal protective equipment. And that we see, it's clearly in the discussions in the media all the time, how much that is going to, to again, affect the, the overall plastic waste discussion in the media that remains to be seen.
0: Talk to us about your brand purpose and how that's informing your activity as you promote a greener planet.
5: Well, I mean, we are the Renewable Materials Company and we primarily are. Uh, our, our purpose is to replace plastics with renewable materials. Um, and, and as I said, um, when the emergency, the acute emergency is over, the excess use of plastics, that's going to be in focus. Uh, Climate change, again, is going to be in focus. Uh, We need even more focus on renewable materials. Uh, We talk a lot about circular economy, circular brands, and we should not only focus on recycling, uh, because at some point we will run out of of fossil-based materials. We should also, we, we should shift, there should be a larger shift towards eco-friendly, renewable materials. And um, as I mentioned, there are some clear industries and businesses that would clearly benefit in the recovery phase when building up the markets that would really benefit from, from uh, basing their business on this type of material.
0: Excellent, well, thank you for that. So let's now go to Mohammed, um, economic development, promoting the region um, of Saudi Arabia. Talk to us about the state of mind right now, and indeed, perhaps educate us a little. I know there are many callers from around the world joining this conversation, and there may be some conceptions, perhaps even misconceptions. Um, Tell us how how you're doing and how Saudi has responded to COVID.
1: Thank you so much uh, for having me today, and it's an honor uh, to speak about uh, a local brand, but it belongs to a nation, uh, which is uh, uh, which is a very unique uh, marketing uh, and communication speciality. Um, um, they honestly, that uh, before COVID nineteen, uh, uh, we have realized in Saudi Arabia that our economic model, which is based only on oil, it is it is really needs to be diversified in order to move forward. We looked into the challenges that we need to to uh, to look. um, uh, And so along the way, uh, we drafted our vision 2030, which is realizing our full potential across all the way, uh, paving and going through each and every challenge. When COVID-19 happened, we had also another two challenges. The other challenge was that we are a G20 presidency country for this year. So we had to play a global role of how all of us respond to this pandemic economically and on investment and trade, point of view. And already before the pandemic, the FDI or the foreign direct investment went down by 40% globally and its need reviving. And So so the type of challenges that we faced uh, uh, helped us to look into what are the strengths that we have today in order to counter COVID-19. The responses were some reactive to the case itself and some proactive, leveraging the strength that we have so far. The reactive modes were relying on our uh, uh, digital and digitalization infrastructure of how to have smart uh, health response uh, ecosystem, containing the cases, tracing them, making the right decision, and engaging the community. The other aspect, which is because Saudi is a citizen brand, and everybody is under that vision, responded with a positive attitude, and and, um, 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 for sure there are certain cases, but we did not see or face that there is a need for, for uh, dealing with it in a different way. And that's why the numbers now are, are dealing differently. Uh, the adaptability to that to the course, that we have to work virtually, we need, uh, we need to engage with our international partners, uh, we need to make sure that the market uh, is full with stocks and products, uh, small businesses get incentivized. So we came up with, with many initiatives as stimulus packages, uh, paying for wages, um, allowing uh, for, for testing, uh, but beyond all of that, it was the international integration, which is, guys, this is what we are doing. We need to keep working together and taking it forward. Uh, 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 this a time where it was a stress test in a positive way for a lot of things that we had in mind. And, and uh, on a local level, a lot of private sector uh, local private sector companies responded, uh, the delivery heroes, I call them the logistics heroes of Saudi Arabia, who actually turned on into uh, delivering uh, uh, more than what their capacity uh, to volunteering. We have achieved more than our targets in, 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 in public volunteering uh, of people who want to help uh, uh, in uh, the case. So So across all the social, the, the, the economic, the investment, I didn't say that we are not hurt, but as I said in the beginning, we are thriving and resilient because we, we, we need to take it this way because that's our choice to, to, to make it happen. Uh, maybe there are, as you said, a very good point about conceptions and misconceptions that as a marketeer and a communication person, we are not doing enough in communicating those stories and those changes. Uh, on a global level, in a snackable content, in a way that can be digested uh, beyond the context of any means, but the context of people to people and country to country and humanity to humanity. And uh, honestly, uh, we will, and we are taking a lot of measures um, um, uh, to to take that message uh, out. One of the things that we are proud of, that our tourism is open and our cultural heritage is open for all, and that's the first, uh, area where people can dissolve misconceptions and really start to conceptualize in their own understanding uh, by coming, by visiting, um, uh, which is going to be uh, very soon. Um, uh, that's that's uh, my point uh, overall.
0: So Saudi Arabia is open for business. Open for business is a, a very important term in economic development and in FDI. I, I know that uh, very well. So Talk to us a little about business continuity and what you're seeing in the market and how international investors are responding to your marketing efforts. You mentioned at the beginning that there was a fall off um, in the beginning, not, not surprisingly. What is the mood? You have a very interesting vantage point in presidency of the G20 as well. What's the mood in the business community that you've perceived?
1: Um, let's be honest, most uh, most of them are shocked, um, 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 uh, given the fact that the value chains and the supply chains are disrupted as well, not only the economic modeling. So it's about finding the right balance. Um, uh, to have, uh, Everybody now is open for business. But uh, uh, the first course of, 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 uh, of action we did at the Ministry of Investment, that looking into first the people who already invested, we created a task force and a center that is connected with all government bodies to resolve any case that possible happen from a, a very small case of, uh, of, of getting alliances to go to get out of the house into uh, a bankruptcy level and in communication with all the government levels. So having a hotline connected with the decision makers in the country for uh, over 7,000 registered investors that we have communicated with them within one week that was a fast response to ensure that we can absorb the shock together and we can provide the solution the second one we have immediately launched our global survey to communicate and talk and listen to investors tell us what's going on what are your priorities right now what are your pain points and the game points you are looking for and it's not only a matter of Saudi Arabia it's a matter of global because in November, that's where 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 countries uh, will discuss. So so that's the level where honestly we say that everybody is shock, but uh, we uh, prepare to serve those who are in need. And thankfully, they are continuing their businesses. Uh, uh, we do not have a um, um, uh, and we do not have publicly uh, any any announced case that we have any dramatic uh, thing. But at the same time, it grows our muscle of how we can serve the new ones and provide to the ultimate changes now uh, in the world of investment, uh, uh, the risk and reward after COVID-19. Uh, it's, it's really put you to look for a place with infrastructure, with a vision, with a talent, with incentives, with packages that really work for multiple situations. Yes, uh,
0: Yeah, and it seems in listening to your explanation that you've certainly made it easier to do business with the kingdom, reduced friction for potential investors.
1: Absolutely, and that's what all the international reports uh, from the World Bank, from uh, the World Economic Forum shows that uh, we have um, uh, jumped uh, by miles. I don't want to say numbers in terms of ease of doing business, uh, through digitalization, through easing of laws and regulations, through supporting the funding um, um, and, uh, and supporting uh, labor salaries and, and uh, uh, localization of, of government spending on local businesses, uh, supporting international investments to acquire and to join forces with local. So the essence is to create an agile, resilient ecosystem that can go beyond um, a, statistic, a static sorry, uh, or, or timed um, uh, economic model. Okay. Um, and technology and digital, digitalization and young people, uh, 50% of our, uh, our uh, economy is young people, and I call it our economy, the talent economy. Uh, most of them are educated, smart, connected, and global. So uh, if we have the right technology and the right people and the right vision, um, uh, we see and foresee that that's a great way to uh, be positive about it.
0: Okay, wonderful. I look forward to picking up in a few moments on the community uh, holistically and how you're supporting the entire community in the kingdom. But let's now please go to Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, where we're joined, as I introduced earlier, by Othan, um, who leads marketing for GPA. GPA is the largest food retailer in South America. Food retail, oh my gosh, something that those of us may have taken for granted in the past, are now deeply aware of the contribution to all of our lives. So talk to us about, you're in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I know you have retail footprint across South America. You touched on the state of mind, a little bit of perspective around where Sao Paulo is at this moment in terms of your response and the ability to provide food supplies to the population.
2: Uh, hello, everyone. Thanks for for the question, Margaret. So, São Paulo uh, is in a let's say in a different pace uh, compared to the rest of the country, even that the country has a con- continental size. So, we're starting to see some recovery in activity in São Paulo, where the the commerce or the services there they're starting to be open little by little. Um so that that's why I I use the word hope for the state of mind that we're we're seeing here in São Paulo. But um throughout Brazil there are different situations, there are some regions where the pandemics are still still peaking. And given that we have a footprint, as you said, in all the region, including other countries in, in South America. Uh, we're still very cautious in everything that we do. And when we look back, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we, we saw ourselves in the middle of, of the turmoil because we are an essential service to the population. And we work very hard to uh, preserve the integrity of our employees. So everyone that is, a, is the group of risk uh is at home and we with the regular wages uh and meanwhile we ask everyone to stay at home we have to ask our employees to be at the stores uh in order to be able to serve our community so that's a a very important job for for all of us and uh hopefully um everything everything is, is is going to be fine uh it has been uh, fine for for the time being because we have worked together with the suppliers with the logistics uh, chain in order to have all the 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 products that we needed at, at our stores and also to deliver to to our client homes and um, uh, it actually we, we needed to accelerate a lot of plans that we had because um We had to improve the delivery services. We have to open uh, two other distribution centers in 30 days. And uh, that's a massive um, job that we have done um, because we, we wanted to contribute that our clients stay at home. I think we have been successful so far.
0: And Otan, I know you've been awarded by LinkedIn and Indeed and a lot of um, arbiters of good employers, great awards. I know you're one of the top, most desired employers in, in Brazil. What are you observing in terms of consumers, however, consumer habits? Anything that you think is interesting that will stick in terms of grocery post-pandemic?
2: We, we were already seeing that the food e-commerce was something that was growing. Um and during the pandemic it has skyrocketed. So people they are they're getting used to do their groceries online. Uh and we see this as a trend not only during the, the pandemic but uh, afterwards also convenience is another trend what we see is that people they either buy online or they go to the nearest shop uh, close to their homes and we think that will continue even though even though that um, e-commerce is is growing a lot during the pandemic it reached uh, three percent of our total revenues so Physical stores, they they still play a very, very relevant role um, to the community and and shall continue.
0: Otan, any interesting purchases or shifts in the kinds of things people are buying?
2: Uh, That's an interesting question because um, we have have seen some increases in products that people cook at home. For example products that use it to bake a cake they have increased it a lot and we see that people are changing habits they're they're having to cook their own meals they're cooking for families they're discovering new habits they're learning to cook so we see uh, a, a, an increase in products there for the pleasure of cooking at home that's that's very funny
0: I know you're also part of Casino Group globally, any differences in habits across the globe? I know this baking thing seems to be everywhere. I see a lot of head nods on the screens. I haven't quite adopted it myself yet, but I know a lot of our friends have. Anything interesting across the world in terms of food consumption and supermarket purchases?
2: I wouldn't, I wouldn't mention any difference, but I would mention a common thing. All the, all the countries that are present, they're increasing a lot in e-commerce. So that's, that, that I would say is the most relevant shifting in consumption habits. It's, it's global. It's not only a thing in Brazil or in a specific country, it has increased in France as well. Um, so that's, that's, that's it.
0: Very interesting. Well, abrigado. Uh, We look forward to tracking the evolution of e-commerce in retail and in food. Thank you. Okay, you've been waiting characteristically patiently, Mike, in Dubai. Um, So Mike, you lead uh, the efforts at Sony Music for the Middle East. I know you have a roster of very interesting artists across Sony. Talk to us about what's happening in terms of entertainment in the region and how the music community has responded to COVID-19.
3: Thank you, Margaret. Um, Great to be here. Thank you. It's great. It's fascinating, first of all, hearing everybody's perspectives. Um, So Sony Music, first of all, we're a global company. We've got thousands of employees all over the world, 65 offices in all the different countries and continents. I think it's been a really... Um, major journey for the industry, for the music industry. I think we've seen parts of the music industry have huge impacts. So the live business, like the airline business effectively went to 100% decline in revenue overnight, huge impact. But on the flip side, the streaming side of our business globally has seen interesting trends. So typically what's been happening, if I talk about trends first, Margaret, and then I'll, I'll go down into the region, Is in pretty much every COVID market, what we saw first was a big decline in consumption. That's as people get used to the fact that they're not all of a sudden they're going into lockdown, they have to look after their families, they have to think about their work. The last thing people were thinking about in that mindset is, is playlists and streaming and singles. So it dropped very quickly, and that was alarming, but very, very rapidly. It picked up as people got used to lockdown we got used to the habits we got our children were secure were safe we worked out homeschooling all those different things that we've all had to handle the business increased and and, and in every market it got back to above previous levels so that's been that's been a positive thing i think for us as sony music our most important thing is our artists and our people and what's made me very proud is the company's reaction to COVID. So our organization announced a $100 million COVID relief fund within a few weeks of COVID to help the artistic communities around the world and help the fight against COVID in all the markets. A number of initiatives were launched in our, in our business, uh, Giving Tuesday, which was is still running, where when we give money on a Tuesday, the company will match that money worldwide. So every employee donates on a Tuesday and the company matches it. And we've had a number of other philanthropic initiatives. Two days ago, we announced a new role in New York, an executive vice president for philanthropy and social awareness at Sony Music. So the company has really reacted. So when we talk about purpose and endeavor, that's a really proud thing for me. In the region, that's been our focus, really, to be quite honest. It's about our people and our artists and supporting that community here. We have artists in Egypt and in Morocco and in Saudi Arabia and in Lebanon. And really, that, it's a difficult time for human beings. And our, our artistic community and our people are our most important aspect of our business. And so we've been really focused on helping them. We're uh, on July the twenty fourth. We're running an initiative to help the Filipino community here in Dubai. I don't know how many people know this, but 25% of the global Filipino population outside of the Philippines is based in Saudi Arabia and the UAE. Really important part of our community. And they've been hit very, very hard. So we have a performance in a couple of weeks by Ben & Ben, the biggest Filipino artist, which is signed to our company in the Philippines to raise awareness of a local charity that supports the community here. So we're, we're doing a lot locally on the ground, not just to help our artists, but to help the community here in Dubai. And that's really where I think we've all learned a lot as leaders that to lead through these things is about empathy and understanding and providing your teams and your people with space and with time and and listening and caring a lot.
0: Now Sony, of course, works with artists, probably the most sensitive of all populations and very astute in terms of interpreting the environment. What about the economic reality? With live entertainment gone, with all the changes over the last decade in terms of the economic models, what do you see sticking? What do you see reverting to pre-COVID and anything in between?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. And um, there's a multitude of layers to it. I'll try and be as succinct as I can. I think the live industry will come back. Live music and live experiences is, a, is, such an, is part of the DNA of the world. It's such an important aspect of, of what we do as, as, as human beings. It will come back. How it will come back, who knows? I think it's very early. On the music side, our artistic community have reacted so creatively to this to, to COVID. If you, uh, some of you may have, s- have seen the Twitch news, you know um, Fortnite, Travis Scott performed in a game. There's all sorts of fascinating collaborations and partnerships that we are driving and helping our artists to drive around the world, and that is ultimately delivering music and experiences to fans and to people who are at home and and really want to engage with their artists. And so there's there's some interesting. Uh, platform growth trends and I think some interesting consumption habits that will emerge out of this. And I think for marketeers and for us as music marketeers, yeah, I think I think to be honest, it's going be, to become a, quite a nomadic um, way of thinking. We're going to have quite small pockets of communities of people in different spaces, virtual spaces. In the absence of huge mass gatherings, we're going to see Small pockets of bases of people, and how, as marketeers can we place songs and our brands and our artists in those pockets and engage in a dialogue across multiple layers and multiple aspects? So we're learning. You know, we're we're a digital first business anyway at Sony Music, so our our movement into that space has not been as dramatic in terms of a challenge, but it's fascinating to be working with Twitch and with gaming developers and with our big global partners. To figure out how to bring music and our artists' experiences to consumers in more creative ways. I think that's a, a fascinating challenge. And I think that will have long term impacts on the way music is consumed and the way music experiences are consumed.
0: Fascinating. And I think what's also intriguing, certainly the partnerships with Fortnite and Twitch reveal the notion of collaboration. And Abu Aza um, Mohammed mentioned earlier the whole notion of an ecosystem. And I, I think it's very intriguing listening to all of you, the obvious ones around the supply chain, but also the partners and collaboration opportunities that COVID has forced and um, perhaps even revealed some silver linings as well. So let's let's transition now very directly to talking about the brand's role in the community. Dow, I mean, obviously a hospital serves its local community, what have you learned, particularly as a new CMO arriving over at the healthcare system, that has changed or reinforced your view of the role the brand plays in the community?
4: Let me first build on something you just said about partnerships. One of the things that is happening and is relatively unique is that the hospital and healthcare systems, at least here in Georgia, have start to collaborate. So we are fierce competitors in the marketplace. And a shout out to my colleagues at wellstar Healthcare, Emory Healthcare, Uh, Grady Hospital and the Children's Hospital, as well as Piedmont have been working together on a CEO level, CMO level, as well as on a clinicians and physicians level to make sure that collectively we address the needs of the state of Georgia. Competing where we need to compete, but collaborating where we should collaborate. So we have a joint campaign about wash your hands, wear a mask, wash your distance. We are having joint efforts on how to best address the disease we have like webinars where hundreds of our physicians come together and share their experiences uh there's a almost a daily call with all the operators to make sure where are the supplies almost trying to operate as an integrated healthcare system for the state rather than a collection of competitors like we usually are so that is a very unique uh and when you look at that it's almost the opposite of branding right it's mm. like as a brand you be want to be distinctive like i want to be different or recognized as uh, in on some attributes from Emory healthcare or wellstar um where now it's basically no we are trying to brand healthcare as a whole and saying hey this is what you need to do to avoid visiting us and this is what you need to do when you visit us and you should visit us when you need to and then if this is clear and this is clear or oh, this is how we distinct from each other uh, so I'm basically talking to my competitors on a, on a regular basis which in 25 years the CPG I've never done uh, so it's kind of a uh, very new and enlightening uh, collaboration because you do it uh, because we all share a similar purpose. Our purpose at Bond is to make a positive difference in every life we touch. Uh, it's not very different from, I think, from most healthcare systems to make this positive difference or alleviate pain, et cetera, et cetera. Some add like research and re- uh, those things. We don't do that. We're not a research hospital. We're really a community hospital. So, that is from the branding perspective. Then, within that collaboration and within the joint effort, how do you then have a distinctive positioning of your brand where you really live your purpose is going to then be the the challenge that we're going forward. Um, But I have to say, when there is a healthcare crisis, uh, people gravitate to those brands where they have the highest level of trust. And what we're seeing for our brand is that, uh, if it's from a government perspective, or a physician perspective, or a patient perspective, we see a lot of people gravitate to Piedmont Healthcare in the state of Georgia, and um, and, and and that's basically driven by a foundational brand strength that has been built over 110 years. Uh, period. That's not something that overnight or it's not something I did or like some advertising we did. That is basically being in the community for 110 years. We cover 70% of the state and obviously word of mouth, physician references, uh, collaboration with the state. We we just announced yesterday that the state of Georgia uh, is going to move in and it's going to occupy a few floors of our new building here in Atlanta, Georgia. They're going to be operated in close collaboration between the states and and Piedmont Hospital so we can add 60 more COVID units uh to the total state count. Uh we're looking at something similar in the city of Columbus. So it's kind of this close collaboration. How do we help Georgia and uh, as a healthcare system collective? And then how do you distinct yourselves within that collective? I'll leave it at that.
0: So very briefly and in wrapping Dow, what's your commitment to um acknowledging and maintaining the role of the brand in the community as a leader
4: it is kind of doubling down on the promise and the purpose we've had for over a century is our promise to georgia and who knows where else is to make a positive difference in every life we touch and now more than ever that is important. That's the case. And I think doubling down on that existing purpose is key. And then you would love to hear that is simplify that promise and simplify by clear prioritization on how we do that.
0: Excellent. So now, Katja, the same set of questions for yourself. Katya. what have you learned over this COVID period about the role of renewable materials, be it in Helsinki or more broadly? I know you're a global company. Well,
5: I think, uh, like especially the key role they really already today play in the, in the societies where we operate. Um, our main efforts during the pandemic have really been on, uh, aimed at ensuring that, that we keep our operations running on this undist- and undisturbed deliveries to, to our customers. We've talked about supply chains in some of the comments. Um, Dow mentioned, uh, trust, uh, which is very important, of course. Uh, so keeping those undisturbed deliveries going. Uh, we're typically the largest employer in, in regions where we operate, where we have our factories and we have them all over the world. And we've, for example, implemented a wide range of measures to ensure uh, the health and safety of our employees. So it's it's like twofold, both trust and, and responsibility towards our customers, but also of course towards employees, suppliers, whoever. So, so that is at least something we have seen.
0: And what's your commitment? You touched with a lot of passion on your vision for enhanced use of renewable materials. What's your commitment to making that happen and to your brand development? I mean, we,
5: our brand promise is that we help our customers become more competitive uh, in the eyes of their customers um by helping them become more eco-friendly and and circular. So as as part of our role in, in supplying all the critical materials that we do, whether it be in construction, whether it be for food um, in um in pharmaceuticals, wherever uh, we help our customers shift towards a circular bioeconomy. And and this will continue, uh, this has
0: continued during the pandemic and will continue afterwards as well. Well, thank you for that. So, Mohammed, what what have you learned during the period as a marketing leader that of the importance of the inward investment mission? Um,
1: uh, in the context of uh, inward investment mission, that the true uh, uh, delivery uh, of your uh, value proposition comes in such times. Um, we stand uh, our brand in Saudi and the investment uh, uh, aspect of Saudi Arabia as an enrichment ecosystem for the world. What I mean by enrichment, that with all aspects of enrichment, the enrichment of knowledge, the enrichment of goodness, the enrichment of uh, uh, physical and monetary and so forth. Uh, When this pandemic happened, we went back to that essence and that value system. And we said, uh, we are uh, dealing with an investment uh, and our value proposition is to enrich, and our country's slogan is, and vision slogan is, ready for the future. So, um, uh, and that's where we we uh, couldn't find it hard to 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 choose the right uh, responses and mechanisms to go forward. Uh, the second thing is that the role of brand citizenship. Uh, um, I'm coming also from a private sector, uh, and I see that. Um, Sometimes the relationship with the brand, the consumer, or the the customer at the same time, or the people within the supply chain, the stakeholders or the shareholders, are just looking for the monetary value. But when the crisis happened, you can see where uh, true customers uh, uh, and brand managers uh, came together, uh, got the right insight, and provided the right solution. The role of insight and, and the role of consumers in uh, putting the decision making of solutions is uh, uh, is uh, 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 really significant. Um, um, but we cannot just sit down as brand leaders, and we believe that we are the voice and the people behind this brand. Uh, when we look at it as a brand serving uh, or a servant brand attitude, where we carry this on your behalf, and and uh, we need your input on it. Please. Um, um,
0: Based, Mohammed, on that learning and the insights you continue to glean, what is your commitment to building the brand and indeed supporting the entire community of Saudi Arabia, the entire kingdom?
1: Um, on the aspect of, of an investment, um, having um, an ecosystem that really helps investing, opening a business and continuing growth uh, uh, in huge future fields and current fields, um, also offering our place as a solution for the world who want to solve mysteries of supply chain, who want to move, or who wants to solve the mystery of science and technology. Uh, we got those um, uh, assets that, uh, that enable us all the way when we lead our brand, we go to back to its essence and we change our ways of doing things. Uh, and that's how we become true to your brand. Um, uh, by always being consistent of what you are committed to. And we are committed to enriching investors locally and globally uh, in a models that can be beyond any COVID-19. Okay.
0: That's
1: the that's commitment.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for that. So, Otan, what have you learned in terms of the importance of the GPA brand and the services you're providing to the community? What have you learned that's different or indeed being reinforced in
2: this COVID era, at the start of the pandemic, I was running the marketing of the the Sucre banner, which is one of the of the banners that we run in Brazil, and um, which purpose is to work for the happiness of our clients. And, and how is that? Uh, happiness is a feeling that is very personal. It could be cooking for someone you love, or seeing your kid eating vegetables for the first time, or inviting your friends over for drinking. And we are present at every one of those moments, uh, in addition of being a grocery, that's, that's how we see us. Our slogan is actually that happiness can be so many things. And that, that's very strong for us, that's a very strong value. And we're, we're proud to, to, to stand there for, for our community, for, we're proud of everything that we have been doing during this pandemic. And the recognition uh, of our brands as partners to our clients' lives are um, the way that we are doing brand during this pandemic, because this recognition is everything to us.
0: And what is your commitment to continuing to play that role in the community in Sao Paulo, in Brazil, and indeed throughout South America?
2: And now that we're starting to see some, some light at the end of the tunnel, we're starting to be more active on our communication, trying to bring some optimism, optimism and hope to our clients. Um, we, uh, we with a live communication, talking about how people are making bread at their home. So we're providing recipes that you can bake one bread for you and another for someone that you you want to uh, to give as a gift. Uh, how people are Planting trees, we're distributing seeds uh, that you can. It, it's called a seed bomb that you can throw anywhere and will grow by by itself because it has already all the ingredients. And, uh, and the thing is, we're we're saying at the end of this, we will continue to be happy and we will be even better because we understood um, what is important for every for each one of us.
0: Thank you. Thank you for that note of optimism. And finally, you've, you've talked very eloquently about the changes, Mike, in the music industry and the importance of the Sony brand and indeed the roster supporting the artist. What is your commitment going forward to building that brand and the important role it serves in the artistic and indeed the broader community?
3: Yeah, a great question. I mean, our, um, our purpose is to serve artists, is to help our artist community. I mean, we we have a real responsibility to the music. I mean, we do care quite passionately, all of us, about the music and about helping artists, producers, writers express themselves and and bring music to people. I think in times, in all times, music is a great connector. It connects cultures, it connects genders, it connects markets, countries. Um, everybody can feel something. You know, everyone remembers a song. Everybody remembers where they were. You don't often remember a TV show. You don't all remember the same TV show, but music and song is such an important part of our DNA. So for us, you know, we're not really a consumer brand. You know, Sony Music doesn't sell things in shops or anything like that. We sit in the background and we help our artists. And so our commitment hasn't changed. In fact, it's intensified. Since March, it's got even more committed. You know, we've had 200,000 Zoom calls. There's about 4,500 staff, 200,000 Zoom calls since March. You know, we are constantly talking across markets about how we can help our artists deliver their music and do it in meaningful ways. So staying true to that purpose, that's always driven us. 50, 60 years with the oldest label, Columbia in the world, and it continues to drive us all. And that's, that's how we feel.
0: Thank you. So as we wrap up the morning, in thanking our panel, as ever, I'd like to offer my reflections on our conversation. In the presence of this international group, as we discuss brands and COVID-19, I'm drawn to the word apocalypse, which comes from the ancient Greek word apocalypsis, meaning a revealing or a revelation. Now, My guiding premise is that there cannot be revelation without reflection. In order to reveal truths, we need to go beyond merely reacting. We must reflect and ask questions. There are two drivers that shape useful questions. Curiosity, asking questions of others, and introspection, asking questions of yourself. Today's thoughtful panel affords us an opportunity to do both. By way of reflection, I'll now pose the immediate brand related questions that emerge to me as I listen to our panel. No doubt, I'll miss some. So to everyone in the audience, as you reflect also, capture the questions that this panel inspires for you in the chat function and write them. Write them in the chat or write them to me afterwards at mmolloy at siegelgale.com. So here are the questions of the many questions this panel inspires for me. What has the pandemic revealed about the character and competence of organizations, teams, ecosystems, communities, and individuals? How well are our purpose and values serving us? What do we want our impact to be on culture and societal issues, including the planet? As people everywhere seek a sense of belonging, how are we showing up for our community? As everyone adopts new behaviors, what habits will prevail post-pandemic? With COVID-19 making everyday decisions more challenging, how are we making it simple for people to engage with us? What narratives are we creating to inspire people? What is our willingness to unlearn, to challenge ingrained assumptions and operating models? What is our tolerance for unpredictability? How resilient are we measured by how quickly we can recover from new challenges? How is our endurance measured by our ability to keep advancing once we've regained pace? Are we trying to survive this pandemic to only return to life pre-pandemic? Or will we embrace disruption in order to forge new partnerships, new relationships, and unlock new possibilities? And finally, as I think about it, how would we relate to this if we had chosen it? Are we explorers setting out on an adventure? Or are we refugees fleeing because home is no longer a viable option? What goals are we leaving behind and what new ones are we setting? I submit that this set of questions and the others that you're providing in the chat could equally be applied to the brands we lead and to us as leaders. While this panel has inspired many provocative questions, one thing we all know for sure is that the brands and the way brands and leaders respond to this crisis is a defining moment that will be remembered for decades. Thank you, Dow, Kacha, Mohammed, Otan, and Mike. We at Siegel & Gale and the community we have convened are re- very grateful to you for revealing your insights. We look forward to tracking your progress as you live out the commitments you shared today. Thanks as ever to my production team, led this week by Ashley Noonan and Mick Smith. On behalf of everyone at Siegel Gale, please know that across the physical distance that separates us, we remain committed to sustaining the shared joy of brand building that connects this marketing community. I'm Margaret Malloy, thanking you for joining us. Thank you for joining How CMOs Commit. You've heard the strategic insights and professional commitments of top brand builders from around the world. I hope you also enjoyed my reflections on how this conversation is relevant to all marketers. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast or your favorite podcast app. And please rate, review, and share this podcast. Until next time, this is is how CMOs connect.